Oh, I got his ass now. You have to be fast on the track. I hate that guy. This race can change the rest of your life. My bottle got stretched a little bit. I'm about to light this shit up. Show number 65, everybody. Thomas Allier. Big we are, show. We are your hosts. Tori Nyhawk, James Palmer here. Big show. Thomas Allier, all-time BMX legend. We've been in a bit of a legends kick lately. I love it. We have. It's been fun. I really like them too. Like they have lots of great stories to tell. Yeah, a lot of things I really have no clue about. To be honest, I, I've said this many times. Like I watch YouTube videos and all this kind of stuff, and that's how I learn about these people, these athletes. Um, they don't really have that many videos and stuff on these guys from back then, so it's hard to yeah. learn about them and watch races and you know get to know who they really are. So yeah, and they don't. They didn't have social media, so they didn't have all the like the direct reach to people that we have now. Yeah, true. That's a big one, hey? It was more so people just saw them at races and probably in magazines. So we'll get into it. First, thanks to ProGate Europe. Winning starts the great gate. Thomas has had and has a great gate. He won many races with it. Yeah. One of the, uh, from what I heard, one of the best on flat pedals, one of the smoothest pedal strokes on flat pedals. And That's what I've heard. I think I've seen today even him doing videos with his athletes or just at the track, whatever, and he still pops them off. And I don't know how old he is now, but he just unleashes them. And for an older guy on flat pedals, it made, he's, he's waxing other people, I'd say. I remember we went to Eagle when I was younger, and he was doing gates on the Supercross Hill on flats and pulling. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he was a coach. That, he was a retired then too, but yeah, yeah. he was just pulling on flats. Impressive, yeah, yeah it was impressive. Really, yeah. a, must have a super efficient pedal stroke. Probably helped riding. I'm sure he rode flats for a long period of time when he was a kid, especially in France. Yeah, yeah, you'd see him just coming from the French yeah. world of BMX, like that's what they do. But I'd love to know personally, like what he did as a kid that did make him like that. Like, was it just riding flats until a teenager? I don't know. Like, it's like kind of like Corbin. Corbin rode flats for a long time. He's got a he's got a smooth pedal stroke. He's Corbin, probably just as fast yeah. on flats, which is crazy. That's insane. That's yeah. just crazy to me. Yeah. I'm curious to ask him kind of about like, does he think racing should still be on flats? Like he, they race flats for a long time, obviously. Yeah. Does he think racing would be more exciting, better, less exciting on flats today or not? It'd be interesting. I actually don't remember the last time I did a gate on flats. No, you don't ride really flats ever. Hey, do you? Not really. We did a bit with pH in the winter sometimes just riding the track and I did a lot of sprints on flats. Yeah. But I don't honestly remember the gate last time I did a gate on flats. Do you, do you even know where your flat pedals are? <laughs> <laughs> like probably like we're talking I, I was a child yeah probably yeah we're talking six seven it's i mean yeah it's it's a different way to ride the bike that's for sure like it's a different yeah. look even when you ride like you have to have a different style to make it look good i think because when i ride when we've been riding flats a lot now like i don't change my form but like i do things differently and like i won't yeah, I guess I look different when I ride flats versus when you clip. So, yeah, it's just different. You have to you have to gate a little different, I think, too. Gating for sure. You have yeah. to for sure gate different. You can't gate. really get into the same position, I think, on flats. You know what? I say this all the time, and I'm like, I'm a big believer that it's really hard to do the perfect gate that we do on clips on flats. But then I watch, like, Romain and the Frenchies and Joris, and they do it, like, the same. But that's just yeah. their – one, it's a little bit of their style of gate. Yeah. But it's also just that French nature. It's just insane that they can do that. Because some guys come up really low and forward, and I think with – I don't know if you could do that position with flats it's harder to be as forward and low yeah you gotta have good good hammies yeah good hammies out, keep the feet if on you the come pedals. out really low and forward it'd be really tough to gate that way on flats yeah but that's 
the Frenchies do it with, they obviously practice it a lot. Yeah, but they fucking suck. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, fuck them. <laughs> What's Joris ever done? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I hate them sometimes. They do flats and you know, they just yeah, fucking, yeah. I think I told this story before, but when I was in France in like 2012 with PH, we went, I trained with the French team often and we do gates and whatever together all the time. I went to the track one day, Le Pen Mirabeau. So if you have any French listeners, they probably know it. Super flat hill. It's uh, close to Aix-en-Provence, I think. Okay. A super flat hill, like long sprint on flat. Really? <laughs> Dude, they were the same speed on flats. Seriously? Yeah, I was doing gates with Sylvain and we were like battling the first jump and he was on flats. I was yeah. like, oh my God, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> that's brutal. Yeah, they, I mean, that's just what they do though, right? It's like, yeah. I wanted they, the amount of times they, they train on flats in one year is probably the amount I've trained on flats my entire life. Like yeah. I, since I've been like an elite, let's say. Yeah. So that's just insane. Uh, before we get into anything more, Thomas, I think we should go over our camp dates. Yeah, let's do it. We are we are coming to Edmonton this weekend for YEG BMX camp. Edmonton this weekend, James. It's going to be sick. Looking forward to it. It's going to be dope. Uh, yeah, we're going to be up there Saturday, Sunday. Got two camps planned each day. So it'll be good to be back there. We went up there last year as well. So that's we'll be back. August 1st and 2nd. I yeah. know we said this week, but just... Coming up just this very weekend. August 1st and 2nd. The Me and James are also coming to Cochrane, August 22nd, 23rd. And the same trip. We're in Stony Plain, 25, 26, probably in the evening, like we talked probably. about. We, need to, we actually need to message Mike um, back about that. Yeah, we need to message <laughs> Mike about that. Um, busy month for the camps, because then also August 8th, 9th, I'm doing Ridge Meadows. Then I'm driving to Red Deer, August 11th, 12th, doing Red Deer. And then I think coaching Carson there for a sec, too. And then August 15th, 16th, Surrey. And then doing Squamish 28th, 29th. So busy month. I'm stoked to do some camps. Huge month. Yeah. Some of the tracks are limited. Like Ridge, we're only allowed nine now because of COVID. So it depends on the province and stuff. But mm -hmm. I think this is all gravy because like obviously our camps and the other camps I had planned um, that I'm doing myself. I didn't think any of them were going to go off because of COVID. So yeah. now that we're going to do some is fantastic. Now it's like just jam them all into August. Yeah. Just now that we're allowed to yeah. while summer's still on. So Our school kicks off. So any yeah. of the camps, contact the tracks to register and we'd love to see you there. Yeah. It'll be fun. Come on out. Have some fun. Just <laughs> like answer BMX. Get yours today. Answer BMX, babe. Get yours today. <laughs> oh, um, with no racing going on though, it's a good opportunity to work on skills. Like you don't often get a chance to really work on stuff because you always have races coming up and you don't want to try and work on stuff the week before a race really. Mm -hmm. But now, I mean, no it's, one's racing. So let's work yeah. on skills. Yeah. I've, I've had the, I've heard people say like, oh, well, there's no racing. Why do I need to ride? Why do I need to come out to the camps? Why do I need to ride? Blah, blah, blah. Well, I think you're looking at it the opposite way you should be. I think you should be in like, well, there's no races. There's a camp going on. This is a perfect opportunity to come out and learn something. Yeah. How often do you hear riders say, oh, I don't want to do this jump or try this thing because we got a race next weekend. I don't want to hurt myself or break something. Well, I mean, this is the perfect opportunity. Get out yeah. and out to the track, start working on those skills and start trying new things so that when races do happen, it's not a, not a shock to you. Yeah. So. Yep. So we got 30 spots available for mine at James's camps and then 15 just for mine. So make sure you register with the tracks and we'll see you there. That'd be fantastic. Well, speaking of speaking of training and whatnot, I've seen a lot of people, well, a few people starting to do these mock races. We got some coming up as well. Saw the uh, the French and the Swiss had a mock race going. They basically have like a Euro round final almost going down yeah. there with all those guys there. That's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, we're doing our own little mock race coming up in August. Anybody that listens to this podcast that's from BC or Alberta, Anybody wants to come out and do a little mock race with us, please do. We're going to do it at Abbotsford August 15th, I think, and then one in September too. So just throwing that out there. Yeah. Throwing out there. We're going to have a few classes. Maybe we'll throw some money up or some prizes. Just try and stay sharp. Do something for fun. Yeah. 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 It's got to be weird. It's going to be weird. It's got to be weird. Everything's weird right now, but we're just kind of rolling through just it. got to make the best of it. It's also kind of weird that we, we had a radio show last week. Um, what did you think of it? 
I had fun. I loved it. Yeah, we hey. had a, we had a ton of people call in, which was really cool. Like you know, before we did it, we had no idea if anyone was going to call in. Mm-hmm. But we had ten call. I think 10, 11 callers, maybe. Yeah, something it was, like it that. It was super fun just to talk to the people that listen to the show and just chat and. Um, yeah, it's cool. Something different. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought it was really, it was relaxed. really fun. It was relaxing conversations we had the whole time. Yeah, that was fun. I, I've, it's kind of weird when we don't have races and we're having the radio show because we want to be talking about the races, what's going on, and blah blah. And obviously we can't. So it's a little weird for that. I found, but I thought otherwise it was fantastic to have people be able to listen and call in, t- talk what we're talking about, and that kind of thing. Speaking of which, I just looked at the record button to make sure it's recording because of the radio <laughs> show. I forgot to hit record. So after. James had to take the first five minutes from the YouTube video and then basically, I don't know how you did it, but you cut the audio and put it in front of for the, for the podcast portion. Yeah. If, yeah. That, if, if that makes sense. If it makes sense. Yeah. So then, and then we also made sure I put the intro towards just, we made the intro. The intro was good still. We, yeah, we edited the we intro improperly and then, yeah, I did that. So yeah, it was something that, you know, and then the quality I too, I listened back to it. The quality of the second, like three quarters was way better. Cause I think we got off the Wi-Fi and it worked way better. Yeah. So the wife at the beginning wasn't, wasn't working super smooth, but after a while it was fine. Yeah. That helped a lot. So I hope yeah. you guys enjoyed that. Hopefully we can do some more. Uh, this one's obviously not live since we're doing it right now and nobody's listening to it live, but it's just cause we had some day issues. We got a lot of shit going on right now. We were, we're busy people. We're busy. We're people. really busy. Thomas people. is busy. We're busy. Tori's got school. He's got camps, got golf. I got car troubles right now. I'm not very <laughs> happy about it. Cars. You need a Toyota. Apparently, I need a Toyota, you know, at Toyota, Toyota Canada. I need that. Yeah. Well, you guys want to hook me up with the truck because my car is about to bite the dust, I feel like. <laughs> it was sounding a little whiny yesterday. It was sounding whiny. I got home. It's leaking some fluids. I don't think it's oil. I think it might be power steering so fluid. So it's basically not really sure. It's basically 2020 in a car. Basically, just 20, leak, leaking. It's just, just like, like just, just huffing and puffing. <laughs> like just, just trying to get it to the destination right now. Just, just get to 2021, baby. Yeah. Thank God for like people. I, I'm going to see George Cruz camp after this. Thank God for friends like that because he's a car guy. He's has a shop. Yeah. It's Bert's automotive motive. You know, I'm going to take it there. Hopefully he can help. Hashtag free ad. Hashtag free ad. Hashtag for free friend. Ad. He's going to help me out. Yeah. Hopefully. George is a great uh, guy. He's such a great George guy. George is awesome. Dude. For the sport and everything yeah. in life, you know, loves to chat too. Yeah. So hopefully he can help me sort that out. Cause yeah, like I said, not good. Not good. Not good. Um, I had a thought as we were starting to talk about Thomas and stuff being the show. So, you know, like, People say pros were a big deal before, blah, 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 like pro racing and stuff. Do you think, so like in like when the pros in Thomas's era raced, say whatever, early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, whenever. So people only saw them at the races and in magazines. So if you're a kid or a teenager or a parent or whatever, and you're a fan of the sport, you only see it on TV sometimes and you only see it in magazines. So when you see the people in real life, it's like, oh my God, it's so cool to actually see them. Mm -hmm. And now with social media, everyone sees what everyone's doing all the time. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's less special now because of that? And it was more special before because they didn't get to see him as much. I just thought of that. Yeah, I think hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent it is because among other things, but that's pro- yeah. yeah, but no, I think it, it is like when you're only seeing somebody at the races, you're only seeing them on mag in magazines, which at the time were prestigious to be in. And I'm not saying they're not now, but more prestigious yeah. then. I mean, you see those person as an icon and as kind of like not maybe your hero, maybe not your hero, but just somebody a little more special. Nowadays, we have social media. We share everything on social media. And we're not taught to, but we're suggested to, you know, be personal on social media and share personal things. And that's to allow people to get to know us. So people already know so much about us that when they see us, they're like, oh, it's just that guy. We already already know everything about him. Like, that's cool to see him. Obviously, like, I'm sure kids, they'll think it's really exciting to see other athletes and pros in person. But there is a little bit different of an edge. Yeah, I think it's more intriguing to see someone and they seem like kind of more famous. If you don't know much about them. 
Yeah. Like if you're just mm-hmm. see someone in the magazine or on TV and you don't know anything about them, when you see them or see an interview, it's like a, you're like, cra- like people are like craving that stuff. Yeah. Exactly. You know what I mean? And it's, it seems like a huge deal. But then if everyone knows about anything about every, if everyone knows something or everything about someone, not everything, but mm-hmm. a lot of stuff about someone through social and whatever, then seeing them might, like you said, might be cool, but it's not the same yeah. allure or I don't know if it's the right word or yeah. it's not as special. I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. Because it's the cool part is, I guess, that the people that do come up to you and do follow you on social media might be able to have an interaction with you with regards to something you posted or something personal, like a funny joke, something that happened. Sometimes that can actually be a little awkward sometimes when you don't expect somebody <laughs> to know that. Yeah, and they know something like, and you're yeah, like, yeah. What, what, are you, what are you talking like, about? Well, you actually do watch my like, stuff. <laughs> okay, wow. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. But that can be cool too. Um, but, then, cause, but then you also see like the, the really top athletes. Let's look at somebody like Lewis Hamilton. Um, he posts maybe a little bit of personal stuff, but he's such a big icon. He's not interacting with these people on social media. Yeah. So when they see him, he's still that person. Yeah. He's so big. BMX, I don't think we get to that level where it's like an athlete is so big that even when you see them in person, like it's not that kind of... Yeah, there's thing. more interaction. Yeah. So it's and, probably not as big of a deal for... It is a big deal for a lot of people to meet mm-hmm. top pros, but probably not as big of a deal because there already is more interaction. Like, I'm sure maybe people like uh, Mariana, Connor, Elise, like some of them, I'd I'd say they have a bigger following. Um, They're more in that kind of high realm spotlight. Mariana, for sure. Mariana, for (laughs) sure. Yeah. So that it gets to be a little bit different than, um, but otherwise, like a lot of us that we ride at the local tracks, people see us all the time. Um, We're very easy access to talk to, to see that people don't really care as much. Maybe. Yeah. That's the thing is like anyone can go up to even Connor when he goes and does gates at (laughs) fucking Nellis Boulder BMX (laughs) or Boulder BMX or uh, what's what's it? Whitney Whitney Mesa. Yeah. When he goes to those gates at Whitney Mesa on a Tuesday, any kid can go up and talk to him. Yeah. Whereas like, you can't just go up to Lewis Hamilton and, and ask him like how training's going. Can't see him like, while he's driving around the track. But, no, hey, Lewis, what's up, man? You don't see Lewis just roll up to like the grocery store and, or like, you know, it's not <laughs> yeah. the same thing. No, it isn't at all. And obviously there's a difference in the sports. We're mm-hmm. not saying that, but the concept is, is I think interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And you're right. I think it all has to do with social media in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think so, so too. Um, still on social media check-in. No big blast this past weekend. For nope. those of you listening to the radio show, there's no big blast. We were we were hoping for one. We got we got word. We got some call-ins about a blast going down. Some guys, yeah. Roger, Joe, they were going to be blasting Cam, Cam. Bramer, and um, nothing of sorts went down. Pretty disappointed. I was. Yeah. We were really hyping it up. We had some excitement behind it ourselves. Cam even kept us up to date throughout the weekend, and nothing. Our friends at USA BMX even hooked Cam up with a GoPro to capture the footage. He had it and everything. I like, will say, though, he was pulling probably, so they probably couldn't get close enough to blast it. Yeah, he won all three days by the sounds of it, so it's yeah. like, you know, what are you going to do? When a guy's winning yeah, like that, what are you supposed to do? Did you see, though, the the staging hype? Kids yelling at each other, so they're going to yeah. blast each other? There was some hype. That's what I'm talking about. I know. Where is this in the BMX? There was some hype I want in that some of class. Seventeen twenty getting bl- someone seventeen twenty getting blasted. That's they, weird. They give no hex. That class there is, is no just something else. Like <laughs> just going for it, not just, worried about one thing. Let's at just all. whip it out and measure every time we get. It <laughs> <laughs> doesn't matter if it's first round. I don't oh, care if it's I love quarter it. final. They're just going now, for Cam it. Cam was updating us. So we posted our Instagram story so people could follow along. Yeah. It'll happen next weekend. Who knows? I don't. Yeah, is there another race next week? And I want or next we race. Need I mean, this to happen. Like I yeah. don't like Cam. Like I told you, like I'm stoked for you that you, you know you won all three days. 
Um, but I'm a little disappointed that you didn't get blasted because that was that was some content we were waiting for. Just cleaned out. <laughs> God, that'd be awesome. <laughs> oh, that'd be too funny. The guy just puts him right over the last turn. Seventeen twenty. Like, there's always a takeout. When isn't there a battle or something going on? Especially at Grands. I love that class. I love that class. The most exciting one. I love it. Is it like so? Yeah, I don't. I don't even know what it is about them other than the fact that they're just not even caring to just go for it and send it in. I think there's like a lot of ego at that age in general too, like in terms of like development, mm-hmm. especially in like guys that are 17, 20, they just want to prove themselves to anyone. They don't really give, give a fuck. So true. Yep, true. they're just like, screw this. <laughs> I'm just going. I'm going to take him out. I don't yeah, even care. You're not really scared. You're just like, whatever. Who cares? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Once you get older, you learn. You're like, oh shit, I don't yeah. want to crash I think today. You, <laughs> I think you learn a bit more when you're older. But that's why it's so entertaining. So I like junior hockey or junior at the world is always so good to watch because yeah. they're fast, but there's also a lot of mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. Like junior hockey. Like if you watch the world junior hockey championships, it's insane level of hockey, but there's a lot of mistakes. They're pretty sloppy. They are. So it's, it's sometimes more exciting than even watching the NHL. Cause by the time they get to pros and same with BMX, it's usually really polished or a mm-hmm. lot more polished than it is when you're junior. Cause you make typically make more mistakes, more mistakes leads to more counterattacks, more yeah. fast breaks, yeah. more excitement, more excitement, more content yeah. for coffee chatter. That's what we need. That's all we're looking for. We're just content people we are days. content machines Always looking for content people. <laughs> oh that's classic speaking speaking of content did you see snap on green's content he hasn't posted much lately I, I, he's been a little quiet lately yeah he has summer covid busy no bmx i don't know yeah he's been busy but uh yeah that was pretty funny pretty relative i mean which is the, what's his latest one that he had the one he had about um pros back in the day riding 20 oh yeah bikes, that's a good one drinking every that's night a good going one. out making like 20k and then so savage but uh, like <laughs> us riding these you know light bikes or just training hard spending 2k a month on a coach and uh barely making getting by yeah it's a it's sucks because like, it really just hits home for so many people <laughs> <laughs> he's be like well fuck well, i mean <laughs> that's basically me right there <laughs> that's what everyone's saying yeah because people like some coaches charge a lot yeah the coaches really charge a lot i, I yeah I'm not, I mean, we're not going to ask Thomas, but he coaches many people, so he's clearly got a good program. Yeah, I don't on. think Thomas charges a ton for, like, programs and stuff, but... Which is respectful. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he's a guy that could. He's had some top guys. Um, yeah, like, I heard Sean Dwight charges, like, a 1000 or 2 a month or something. That's Probably a lot. depending on the person, but... Yeah, I think... 500 to 1000 or something? I don't know. You got to be doing a lot of hands-on personal that training, obviously, with that kind of money. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, if you're, if you're coaching a guy and he's putting out results... Yeah. I mean, what's to say you can't? Yeah, at that point, if it's if it's working, it's just an investment because you're getting results that you maybe wouldn't have had before. Yeah, exactly. The problem is when you stop getting the res- or not getting the results and you're paying that money, you're like, cool, like, where's my money going now? <laughs> yeah. 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 So if you fire the coach and fi- find someone else. Exactly. You got to. You got to try to find what works yeah. for you. So. so you told me the other day the national champs were canceled. I mean, complete shocker, but mm-hmm. yeah. Absolutely baffling. Never saw that one coming. Yeah. And no. people... Before we'll get a national chance, but <laughs> when Rock Hill gets canceled, let's all, not all act surprised here, people. Like, uh, can we like can we keep the posts down to a minimum that are like, oh my god, Rock Hill's canceled. Oh my god, I like, can't believe it. I, like here's people, a th- throwback from Rock Hill last year. Rock Hill's canceled this year. Oh, we were supposed to be there now. Throwback photos. It's like, funny. No one cares. Everyone's just <laughs> has like nothing to post. People are just like, oh, I raced the worlds last year at <laughs> this time. Cool people like cool. <laughs> like let the world champs make their posts about like oh I won the world like there. We need the dude with a sign stop posting about the world's last year. <laughs> like, we've had enough. We don't want to see but it let's, anymore. Let's not act surprised when Rock Hill gets canceled. People like no. come on, people. It's, it's it's 
it's, it's realistically not going to happen. Let's let's not be shocked here. Realistically, it, sh- it probably shouldn't. It's probably not. We all want it to, but we can clearly see how we haven't been able to travel yet, most of us at least. Yeah. Um, but clearly Rock Hill's got something going on because they've had like three nationals there. God, I honestly though, I would, if, I would love to be wrong and love to be there and just having fun watching my friends race and whatnot. Here's the thing. I want to be there, but feel comfortable. Oh, 100%. I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm worried 100%. that it's going to go on. We're going to have to go there, feel uncomfortable, yeah. come home, quarantine for two weeks, and have to deal with this still. Yeah, and that's great. what I don't want to feel. I don't want to feel uncomfortable. And I don't want to sound like somebody doesn't want to race. I'm no, of course you do. Board of course racing. you do. But it's just, I hate the fact that we, there's a good chance we're going to go there, feel uncomfortable, wear masks the whole time. And I'm, I'm not saying we're not going to just stop wearing masks. No, but the it's the future. travel and the exposure and everything. Yeah. 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 So that's... It's not actually being, I think once you're at the track and stuff, it's fine. Once you're there, it's okay. But it's just the logistics around it. Yep. That'll be, yeah. And then having to go home, sit inside for two weeks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, that'll be something. Yeah. Uh, what'd you throw in here at the end? Nas- national, I saw national, cha- I was, oh, yeah, that, national I champ. premised that with national champs that are canceled this year. Yeah. Yeah. Not surprising, unfortunately. Shocked. Um, shocked. I am just baffled. I, I think. It's Why? Why are they canceled? <laughs> weird uh, why <laughs> like, is there anything happening right now? i don't think there's anything going wrong yeah i let's, mean that's too bad though in. yeah it's, of course it's too bad but i didn't i mean i didn't see it happening really. it sucks that our country is so big we can't just like keep people with like do what new zealand is keep everybody within their country and don't let anybody in and then yeah. we c- you could have your own race series within your country and it'd be fun and fine and yeah be safe and whatever but we can't really do that weren't so. they just gonna do junior elite you said uh, i don't know I think I maybe suggested that. So I, here, here's the thing. I understand not having everyone because that's a big event. Yes. But if it's just junior and elite, you could probably drive there. Yep. And then it's just junior elite to the track. There's obviously no fans because there's no fans anyway. Yep. <laughs> and it's just that I think that actually be fine. Ah, oh, you're right. I think it would. Yeah. Clearly, it's not in their idea to do that. But you're right. I actually think that would be fine because we don't have a big, big no. junior elite class in general. Only junior elite. So everyone, well, I guess people from back east would have to fly. But even so, it's just a domestic flight. You could, I did it, done one recently. Mm-hmm. Just wear a mask and whatnot. And then once you're there, like... You can stay separated. You stay separated. There's only needs to be a few officials. I right. actually think it, it could happen. It could be done with just junior elite for sure. Would it be standing in the gate side by side be an issue? Is there enough people to be side by side? <laughs> no. <laughs> But uh, I don't know. I mean, because I don't know if we'd have the, the the funds and resources to get everyone tested. No, I mean, yeah, that's the problem. If you say say the person next to you has it, you're still wearing a mask and or not a mask, a helmet. Uh, helmet and goggles. Like, yeah, the chance is extraordinarily low, even if they did have it. But I, I would agree. I mean, yeah, unless there are any exciting blasts and you just went helmet to helmet contact and started breathing on each other through the helmets. But, but I don't. It's see not that really, really no. Like, say even if the person next to you had it, yeah, you're probably not going to get it. Most likely not. No, but the people organizing it don't want that on their shoulders. Though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I understand. So it's it's yeah. a little bit of a bummer. Yeah, but that's why we're doing these mock races. So like and, I said, and the podcast and the podcast, <laughs> we're podcasting. Yeah, still trying to get my vibes up a little bit here. Had a little bit of a delay and everything. Oh, I got a swing coach for golf now. I should say that. He's got a swing coach. He got a swing coach. Yeah, got a, got a swing coach now. Working him for had three sessions so far. He's really good. Right now, when he played pro in in Asia, he played a bit on the Corn Ferry Tour. I think. Yep. Um, he asked about the podcast today. Actually. Did he really? Yeah, yeah. Because I think you probably saw it on Instagram or whatever. Okay. So he asked about the podcast, or whatever. <laughs> it's kind of funny. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's cool that people see us post about it and then they'll ask us. And yeah. Like, you're like, you're not a BMXer. How do you know about it? We should this? have him on, call him up quickly one of these times and you discuss my swing. That'd be yeah. fucking hilarious. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah, we should do it. All right, real real quick, coach. Tell us what's good, what's bad, what's ugly. All right, you're, you're on air. <laughs> How's, 
Give it to give it to me straight. How's <laughs> <laughs> my swing? My swing. <laughs> what, what are we looking at, Coach? How many years till I'm on the PGA Tour? What are we saying? What no, are we saying? Max Cohen is his name. I'm doing it at a uh, golf mecca at Swanee Set. He's really good. Yeah, I really like him. So anyone listening here wants some swing coaching or whatever, yeah. he's, I recommend him. But yeah, it's cool. I, I like it a lot actually. Mm-hmm. Learn, learning quite a bit. Yeah. Speaking of golf, and nobody likes us talking about golf, but they'll enjoy this little story. We were playing with our friend Ryan yesterday. Me, Tori, and Ryan. It was me and Tori best ball score versus Ryan so, match play. So best ball score is if like me and James were partners. So whoever has the best score in that hole, we take that score. Yeah. And we were playing us too. So our scores versus Ryan. And uh, he's freaking good. Granted, we didn't play well at all. We we started off terrible. We got it together. We found our middle, wind. We did. Yeah. And then we absolutely <laughs> tanked the finish. The, like, we lost every bit of energy. I will say though. The good part about our, our partnership on, on the second half of the round, which we were both very sloppy, we were rotating bad holes. So at least <laughs> one of us had a good score on one hole, and then the other would bail out the next hole or two. It was actually working pretty well somehow. Somehow it worked fine. Like, it wasn't planned that we were going to be bad no, in this hole. It was just like, like, well, okay, you did terrible this one. I got this one. Next one, you fucking salvage. <laughs> I got One yeah. of us would put, like, one or two in the water and they just, like, stop playing the hole, and the other one would, <laughs> would have a good score, and we would just... Move on. Yeah, it Move was on. it was fine. It's fantastic. And it ended up coming down to the last three holes. Ryan saved his putt on the, the 16th <laughs> to stay in the game. Made a huge putt on 17 to yeah. keep the game to win the hole and keep yeah. the game going. And then an even bigger putt on 18 to tie the game at an 18 and it ended all square. Us two versus him and we tied. That's how good he is. That's insane. Yeah. He's going to, I think he's turning pro next year. And so. he's got, he's got new wedges and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, really so good. he was still, you know, getting used to shit. I mean, not so. a golf podcast, but that's our golf weekly golf up. We should have a weekly golf update. <laughs> weekly golf update for all you guys yeah. that hate us for talking about golf. We're having, that's our weekly golf update. Yeah. It's got to be short and quick. Everybody's going to be like, I hate that guy. It's yeah. just what, what they're going to think. You know what? It's our weekly, it's our podcast. If we want to have a weekly golf update, we'll just have a weekly golf update. We'll do what we want. Or don't listen. <laughs> or just be like Ariel and fast forward. <laughs> Uh, All right, uh, should we just get into Thomas? Yep. He's driving right now, so I hope the audio is good. You think he's got headphones in? He's not going to put it on Bluetooth like you did, right? It's going to be Bluetooth, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be Bluetooth. <laughs> for gonna, sure. We're going to hear every noise around It's going to be it's gonna be Bluetooth. It's, yeah. yep. Oh, Thomas. That's too bad. It always just, this just makes the podcast a little bit longer. We got Thomas Allier on the line. Thomas, how's it going, man? Hey, how are you guys? How are you doing? We're pretty good. Pretty good. How are you? Where are you at right now? You said you're driving right now? Yeah, I'm driving in France, uh, going uh, from uh, one side to the other, to the other. so I have time, have time to talk on the, on the car, yeah. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing on the other side? Uh, just picking up my girl, my, my little girl, uh, my daughter, sorry. For holidays, we're going uh, on holidays now. Um, oh, cool, cool. Uh, yeah. I saw you and Eddie were just uh, where did you where did you guys go again? Were you in Turkey or something? We were in Turkey yeah, for uh, for ten days. Yeah, we uh, finished a BMX track over there for the Turkish Federations, and uh, and Eddie was over there to test all the jump with me. Right on. That's pretty cool. How did how did yeah. it turn out? I didn't even know they had a BMX like program over yeah, there. Yeah, I didn't know they had even BMXers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're starting. They're starting to have a BMX uh, program, so that's gonna be uh, another country who's trying to um, to get involved on the BMX, which is uh, pretty cool. That's really cool, yeah. Because I mean, the more, more, the more, more countries, the merrier, really. yeah, the more countries around the world that have it, the better. How yeah. is the uh, how's the track? Yeah. It's a supercross track, right? 
Yeah, it's a typical strike, but um, you know they um, they decide to do, to do two gates, eight and five meters, and uh, both of them are are more like a development track. Okay. Which is um, some parts are pretty technical and uh, pretty cool to ride, but some some parts are really easy, mm-hmm. which is also a need for a country like this. Yeah. Yeah, it gives them something to develop on because I'm sure if you, you can't really just go no. there and put up a technical supercross track for them to, to try out. They wouldn't do so hot. Then. Just make one like Egla or Chula no. Vista or something. <laughs> no, you know you're not gonna put uh, like an eight meters jump on the first uh, on the first <laughs> jump for sure. How's what's Turkey like as a country? It's pretty cool. It's really safe. It's, uh, I like that. I really like that country and um, and they manage uh, pretty much everything really really good. The food is amazing. People yeah. are so nice and um, and uh, yeah, it's a it's a cool country. I like it. How how hot was it right now? <laughs> oh, it's um, yeah, it's like forty five. Way deg- too hot. Probably like forty five degrees. Fo- yeah, forty five degrees. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. 40, 40, 45 degrees at 9 at 9 a.m. Huh? Oh, oh my god. god. <laughs> I was just I was just thinking in my head I would love to have a supercross track there in the sense that it'd be a new place to go Yeah, for that'd be super to. cool. But then you just said how hot it was. I was like we need to do this in their winter then cuz that's insane. Yeah, but is um actually actually the place where is the BMX track is um is not that is not that hot. Is like you have season and is um the weather is pretty decent. Like where, when we were over there, like for for a few weeks, it's going to be really hot. But after, it's really, uh, I would say, it's like more like European friends feeling, where you have like you have the winter and you have some snow, you have some raining season, and you have the summer where it's a little bit hotter, but not that not that hot over there. Okay, for sure. Yeah, that'd be a little bit better than that'd be fun to go somewhere new like that. Like we've been hitting the same tracks for a while now. It'd be fun to explore. We do that one instead of Zolder, please. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know they. Try, I know they're trying to. Um, they, they're trying to get the World Cup for the next few years. So cool. We might have a World Cup in the next. The next uh, maybe two. Yeah, twenty one or twenty two. Right hopefully. On. That'd be yeah. sweet. What, what do you, you know, this is, this is a little different question. We're going to start off these podcasts a little different. What's your thoughts on, you know, super cross tracks nowadays? Are you happy with them? Do you think they should stay or should be a little more technical than they are? Or do you think that the, them going a little bit easier um, has been, been okay? What are your thoughts? I think, you know, you can, you can make a BMX track uh, technical but safe. Mm-hmm. And uh, on the... Uh, I would say on a few few tracks they were getting they were getting too dangerous and too technical and without if you make if you make one mistake you can even finish the BMX the your race so what the points to uh, to compete if you cannot if something happen you know mm-hmm. I know I know mistake is part is part of the race but you also have be, you need to be able to finish and at least try to to compete until the finish line and. Um, it's not like because you're gonna make the track easier, that's gonna be less technical also. So you have to you need to find you need to find the right balance between between those two uh, those two and try to find the right combo to make a good track. For sure. And like sometimes if the track's too easy, it can make it I mean, there could be more crashes because everyone's way closer and going way faster and there's less separation too, I think. Of course, of of course. But if you if you're able to make the track like techni- like technical enough where you can like the technical technical parts uh, play a, a good um, like a good role on the race. Why not? You know, and you can make the difference, and you can have like a different. You like people can be spread out a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point too. I know. 
I'm, I'm a big fan of having these tracks with the different option lines. I know I think that's huge because then sometimes you have like a line that's a little more technical but a little quicker, and then you have the safer line that's the option. I love seeing that in our sport, and, and I feel like I feel it, like there it, used to be that it's more. Also, it's, yeah, it's also important to um, you know like it's also important to bring back also some old technique to the to, to the race. Mm-hmm. You know, to pick up pick up manual or just manual or. I, I know, like pick up manual, manual. All the all the jump is not necessary, and the race is gonna be is gonna be boring. Mm-hmm. But it's the same than jumping. If if the track you only jump, well, like when like with BMX, we can do more than jumping. Yeah, yeah. What a lost art the the, yeah. the skill of a pull manual or pull double manual. It's a lost art these days that you guys did back in the day, like routine all the time. We don't you don't see anyone pull manual anything anymore, hardly. No. No, pretty much. If you if you if you like if you see on the supercross track, you don't see that that happen. Of course, Zolder was a little bit different with that first mm-hmm. jump. That was pretty uh, like pick up manual. It was pretty technical and and pretty hard to do and pretty hard to be consistent on it for sure. But doesn't you could make the difference if you're able to do it all time really good. So mm-hmm. what I did what I did in Turkey also uh, because the track is also different because you're gonna be uh, having like so many different um, rider riding the track without like different level. So I make I made the first jump where you can do pickup manual, but mm-hmm. that pickup manual is also like if you make it good, you're gonna go fast. So that, why not to have that on the first jump sometimes, you know? Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, if it's something like that where you're really gonna pick up the speed like that, that's great. Provides an option, right? Yeah. Uh, also, I'm over here contradicting myself because I'm a big believer in always jumps. <laughs> but I mean, I'm also the guy that always says I love the two yeah, lines like, too. Yeah, like on so. Supercross, I think you should have to jump the first jump. But I would like on like the intro do a pro rhythm. If you could pull manual something really deep and to be faster, that'd be cool. Or on a last straight or something, that'd be cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You, could, you know, you can, you can, you know, why, why to always have the same track all year long and. Yeah, and years after years, and just like okay, that's the same, that's the same first jump, that's the same yeah. second jump. Yeah, that's gonna be the same corner. That's gonna be the same reason section. Why, why the fuck, you know? Why not to, why not to bring some uh, some other technique and some other stuff? That doesn't mean that's gonna be the standard to every track after. But why not? Like once or twice a year, you get you get those tracks a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're. Big believers in that. Like it, it seems like we've taken the skill away of learning a track, of learning how to adapt to a track and new jumps and new obstacles. It's just everyone's on just autopilot because we've all been to these same tracks and we're just like, okay, cool, Papadal, yep, doing there. Oh, it was older, yep, race yeah. that one too. So it would be a lot cooler. Even if they yeah. could like change a jump or two on a straightaway yeah. to just change something, it would it would be uh, I don't know beneficial. I think. Yeah, it's a little bit, a little bit different, and uh, why not to why not to bring back that? You know, just to to be able to adapt to the to the track as fast as you can on the different level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Thomas, getting into your career a bit, when did you start BMX? How did you get into it? Uh, start BMX. Uh, um, track was starting to get built in my city, like like hundred meters where I, I live. Mm. I used to live. And I just jumped on my BMX and went to check out the track and fall in love right away. Just like the first uh, first time I went on the track and and did the first lap, I was like, "What? What is that sport?" You know, and uh, just fall in love. I, I know. I don't know if you remember that name, Carmin Carmin Falco. No. 
back in the day. He was a, he was a really really good um, racer also, and and he started to ride his BMX in front of me, and I just like I was like where where you practice, and he bring me to that track. He was like 200 meters away from my from my house, and we start together pretty much. That's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Is that so? I've always known you for being the guy. I've I've heard of with all the scales, one of the smoothest riders out there. Was it from? Do you think the tracks you rode back in the day? Maybe learning stuff from him and having him as somebody you looked up to. No, he was a little bit younger than me, and oh, we always okay. challenge. We we challenge um, ourselves all the time. You know, we uh, we used to ride hours and hours on the track. We like not even doing gates. Just riding our bike on on the BMX track and spending time on the rhythm section for for hours, jumping, jump backwards, just like just having fun with your bike and and that's how we learn how to ride our our, our bike and getting uh, getting as technical as we uh, as we were. Yeah. you know, just just love the sport, just riding the bike. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny that it sounds, that's like the best part of BMX, what you're explaining right there, is being able to ride the track with your friends and just go for hours learning new things. But I think that's a lost thing in our sport at the same time because people are so focused on trying to get fast all the time right away. And that's why you see so many French yeah. French riders with good skills because a lot of them just grow up doing that and learning so much skill on the track. You know, and first first of all, also the track are, are a little bit different. than back in the day, you know, in U, in US, if you, take, if you compare US and Europe, Europe where like track were way more technical, like those jumps were so steep and so yeah, big and steep and you have to you have to ride your bike to go to go over those uh, those jumps. And if you didn't ride those bikes like those those tracks, it, it was pretty much impossible for you to ride full speed. And that's where we were we were spending like seriously we were going to um to the track and spending like maybe four four hours just riding the track. Yeah. That's like, I love it. That's awesome. Man, I love that, it. Yeah. yeah. We did that with, I did me and Connor did that with pH quite a bit too. And we went and trained with over there in France. We'd spend sometimes like three hours riding the track before we even did gates. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, but yeah, like back in the days we were, we were more focused on, um, maybe more on the skill where we like, we learned so much and the track were also hard. So you have to, you have to spend more time mm-hmm. practicing your skill than than your than your physique, mm-hmm. and um, and that was the right combo. We were like you could grow up learning your skill and developing your um, your um, the physical path a little bit later on, which which was also good because you don't get burned out fast, you know. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, if like you start- really, and I, I, I really start to train like physically when I was like eighteen, nineteen, you know. Yeah, we were curious about that. Like, when did you, so if you were kind of training then, is that when you kind of turned pro and decided you really wanted to take things seriously and kind of pick up BMX as like a professional, a profession, really? Yeah, I went um, at the world in Detroit, in US. Uh, that was like 2000, no, I can't remember when it was that world, but it was in Detroit and uh, and uh, I was like, I became, I became a world champion in Cruiser and I was like, wow, that's, that's cool, you know. Yeah. Maybe I can, uh, maybe maybe I can make a living with that. And uh, and I find out I was um, like, I, when I started, when I started to train, I found out I was able to uh, to get some uh, yeah good sprint and physically I was uh, getting better and better. And I was like, yeah, let's go, you know, like let's try to let's try to make a living. And I and I start to get a, a good sponsor with uh, Sunshine 
GP at that, at that time and get money with them. And I was like full time, full time uh, rider. That's cool. I, so that team back in the day was it? It was stacked. Well, that was the yeah. Sun team. But was it? Was there like a <clears throat> Nike sponsor with that team? Was there a Nike? Was a part of it? Yes. 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 The last the last two years was a it was a Nike. Nike was a sponsor of Sun also. Yeah. That's sick. You don't see uh, that nowadays. <laughs> that's really cool. No, yeah. no more. You know, like yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's a big change also on the on the industry. You know, is uh, trying to find like a big co-sponsor like this now is like pretty hard to find it. Yeah. Yeah, you don't see it mm-hmm. all, and, and you rode for some of the biggest teams back in the day, like that team, the GT Giant. Um, what was uh, what was sponsorship? Yeah, what was sponsorship like back then on those teams? Because nowadays sponsors seem to really want you to have a social media presence and stuff like that. Back then, was it really just all you know, based off results, based off your personality and stuff at the races? Yeah, most of the time was uh, based off your your results. Of course, you know it was mm-hmm. your the first. Um, they were sponsoring you because of your results most of the time. Yeah. Of course, you have like some few riders like Todd Lyons or yeah. some other one where like the email of the time was uh, because you, you because of your results. Yeah. When did you uh, when did you move to the U.S.? I moved right after the world in uh, Melbourne '98. So it was uh, I moved in sep- September '98. Did you have uh, did you have a sponsor lined up for the U.S. already, or like what made you decide to go to the U.S.? No, I was um, I was sponsored by Sun, and uh, and I became world champion, elite world champion in um, in Australia. So I was like, I decided I decided to move to U.S. and uh, and Sun were were like, well, okay, we don't we cannot afford you in U.S. and and actually the the industry was getting bad for them, like they were um, they were they were having some some issue. So they decide to let me go. They say, "Okay, you you can go, and uh, I'm sure you're gonna find a sponsor." And when I was over there, I sent like a couple emails. Back in the day, email wasn't um, wasn't wasn't um, wasn't um, like you couldn't send an email. It wasn't existing pretty much. So we were um, I was sending fax. I was sending fax to each <laughs> to whole industry, and uh, and um, and I find uh, I find GT pretty much. Boy, have things changed, huh? <laughs> yeah. Now it's so easy oh, to yes. now it's so easy to reach out to anyone in the sponsor world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think it's way too easy now. Yeah. Everybody, everybody wants to be everybody wants to be a sponsor, you know. So true. Like even if, if you, even if you start writing, they're gonna send you a resume and and having a free part and free uh, entry fee and all of, all that. So I think that's killing also that's killing also the industry that. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Young Jimmy at eight years old, who's intermediate. Yeah, he's, he's on the road to the Olympic Games. You know, the parents are trying to get him a full factory ride with flights and airfare and expenses. <laughs> let's uh, yeah. let's talk a bit about your first world title in Melbourne. Melbourne, you said it was. So how how like going in? Did yeah. you feel confident you could win? And what was that whole thing like? It was um, yeah, it was like my season was really really good going to uh to Melbourne. I um I won pretty much every uh every race. In uh, in Europe and in France, and I become a European champion at like 15 days early, and I was feeling really good. I was like, I was feeling amazing, and um, and two days before the world, uh, we uh, with the French team, we decided to do like a little walk on the park, and I crashed and I bro- and um, I dislocated my finger, 
so I, I stopped the race with two finger like hand on my uh, on yeah. my grip, uh, yeah tape on my grip pretty much. And I was feeling like shit. I was like, first motor was bad, and after I started to get better and better, and and finally I found myself motors after motor. But uh, all year long I was feeling really good, and um, and I trained really hard this winter and the win the previous winter. So two hard two hard winter training, really really hard. And um, yeah, '98 was really uh, really a good year for me. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah, I kind of. So to be honest with you, when we're doing like riders like yourself who are such legends, like unfortunately your time, like th there wasn't YouTube back in the day to, to look up videos or Instagram to watch you guys all the time. So I just kind of do my research online, but I, the research I could find and stuff was that was kind of like your year. It seemed like 98, that kind of seemed like your breakthrough year. Cause you're saying you went to the U S after that too. And that's when you got the ride eventually with GT, right? Yeah, that's when I start to I, I sign um, I sign with GT on September ninety eight. So I start really uh, yeah I start really to really racing in US ninety eight with GT full time. What was the race day like when you won the world? Um, that was oh, sorry the question. I, I couldn't, I couldn't yeah, hear everything. What, what was the race day like the, when you won the world? Was it one of those days where everything went smooth, or how did every, every how did everything go so down? Like, kind like of. You know, like, yeah, like I told you, you know, I break my, like, I dislocated my finger before, so I was, like, a little bit like, okay, let's try to do everything you can. You know, you've been training hard enough the last two years for that, and you know you can, you know you can do it, but let's see with that finger how that goes. So I think, I think I, like, hurting myself, maybe take away the pressure a little bit, mm. and, um, and laps after laps, after, I, were, I was feeling really good, and, um. And you know, you feel those moments when you, um, you know, you are pretty much um, like nothing can happen to you, and you feel almost like everything is almost like slow motion, yeah. a little bit. Yeah. And hold well on, two seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Tori's like, is that our system? And, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm good now. Very good. I'm driving, so you know. Um, and you feel everything around you slow motion. You even you even your race feel like you can do everything you know on your bike, and you you feel pretty much unstoppable. That's that's the that's the feeling I got when I become world champion in '98 and become world champion in 2000. In 2000, and and when you race when you race some big race, you feel like nothing can happen to you. You feel like okay, like I'm. It's like you're above every, everyone, but you feel like. Okay, I can I can start with anybody next to me, and I'm gonna find a way to pass him, or I'm gonna all shot the race. And but I was like, you feel like you just feel unstoppable, pretty much. Yeah, it's an amazing feeling. You just feel like you're pedaling on air. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's pretty much that's, that's pretty much the feeling you got. Yeah, there. yeah, it's an incredible feeling. How did uh, how did things change after you won <laughs> the first world? Uh, yeah, big. Uh, that changed a lot, you know, even your mind, you just like, okay, you feel like, okay, you just like you accomplish one of the biggest ever, even uh, one of the biggest goals in your, in your, in your life. And, um, get, getting sponsored by GT, which at that time was the biggest team in the world. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, I was living the dream, you know, as a, as a French guy going to, going to US and racing for the, for the firm. I was like, man, that's like, okay. I was, I was feeling so, yeah, so good, and just 
be able to train there all day long and living you living uh living the dream was just amazing yeah i can imagine that that team like it's just iconic that team uh the firm there uh but talk, talk us to like what was the move like going to the u.s joining the team like what was the atmosphere like like joining such a i guess a big team like that and also just going to the u.s and racing that series where'd you live yes i live in costa mesa oh, okay yeah close to uh, close to newport beach like a couple of miles away from uh, the orange track and uh and gt actually gt was uh was like maybe five miles away from uh, from my uh, apartment and racing racing for gt you know when you when you show up at the first race and you have uh gary lee shortenson danny nelson greg romero pick you up at the airport it was like <laughs> a big shock for me you know yeah. i was like wow I'm driving with those guys, you know, I'm like, wow. wow. So I was pretty, I was pretty shy at that at first. And, uh, um, and I start to race against them. I, I rest, um, start to race against everyone and, and start to race pretty good right away. And, um, and that feeling was just like, wow, like I'm racing with, even if you're world champion, but you're going to race in US with those guys, you feel like, wow, that's huge, you know? Mm-hmm. Is it's a little bit different in today's because today's world, obviously, you, you could kind of see them on social media. You could kind of know who the, they are and even talk to them. But did you really know them as people other than like seeing them at the track or that kind of thing? No, no. At that time, we uh, we we knew each other because we raced like a few times, few times uh, early on. But nothing, you know. We never never communicate with them pretty much, and uh, and I really start to know them when I start to. to um, to be part of the team, yeah, and uh, and you know, like every team, you're just part of the big family. But that was a um, atmosphere was so good. Yeah, was it a sh- culture shock going to the U.S. at that time? Um, yes, 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 and no, because you're you know you you living you living the dream, so you like just like you're riding your bike every day. So that's what you that's what I used to do also in Europe, but. Um, I was doing that in California. Like you could, you can ride every day. No more snow, pretty much no more rain. Um, the culture also was a, was a bit different, but um, most of most uh, most of it, you were so happy to live to live that dream, and you enjoy and you enjoy each moment. How was it getting used to the uh, U.S. tracks and kind of BMX scene at the races compared to Europe at that time? Um. I would say it was a little bit more, um, technically it was a little bit more easier, but different. You know, you have to, ad- you have to adapt to those roller was a little bit more flat. You, you need to, um, of course, you, um, the first race was even more important than like the first few pedals. If you don't, if you didn't have that pop, you were, you were getting cut off right away. So <laughs> yeah. classic ABA. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to adapt to that, to that kind of, um, that kind of that kind of racing and um, and I find my pace. I mean, when you find your pace, you um, you find pretty. Uh, even if the tracks are not technically as um, as hard, but you find those tracks pretty fun to ride on some places. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, I always think like thinking about it. Like it seems like there's less places around the track to gain speed and make moves when there's uh, the jumps are a little smaller and it's more pedaling. That's always been my kind of yes, look on and, it. Yes, and corn, corn, corner was also a little bit smaller, so it was more like 
if you also the race, it was hard after to pass you, so it was more mm -hmm. like single fight sometimes mm -hmm. on some tracks. If, especially at that time, the ADA indoor track was were really uh, really single lines, you know. So you have to uh, you have to also have anyway. Yeah. How was the scene back then? Like, did you guys party more and stuff? Because yeah. you know you hear stories all the time. That's that's the good stuff we want to know. Yeah, we like, want to know like what was it like living the dream, the BMX dream back then? <laughs> was it, yeah. How was it different? Um. You know, we were we were also like competitor, but we were also like we were traveling pretty much. Everybody were traveling together to each race. You know, in US, when you race in US, you have to race like at, back in the day, you have to race ABA and NBL, and you have to like maybe twenty five to thirty weekend a year sometimes. Like every weekend, yeah. So it was wow. a big, yeah, it was a big family, and during the year, like party, we were not party as. As much as you think, guys, you, we, we were probably more on the... <laughs> no way. The no way. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> yeah, not that... Oh, you know, story, story is going to be stories, but yeah. we, um, we party quite a bit, but we, we were... Um, like on my side, I was also focused on on the racing and winning. You know, as I was moving, moving from Europe. I was like, I want to make it. So if you want to make it, you need to have... Uh, the lifestyle with it, and uh, and I was uh, pretty uh, pretty focused on my lifestyle. Of course, we were partying on some big occasions, but we were not partying all year long. That's for sure. Yeah. What was, but, was with with that many races in the year? We always kind of we relate to motocross, and we we notice in motocross, it seems like there's more let's say beef between riders, just because they're racing each other so often, so many weekends in a row that, that a lot more shit happens. Was there any more beef back then in the sport, like between riders, maybe because you guys were racing so so often? Yeah, I think so, you know, and especially for um, foreign people, you know, like me or like Christoph or like people who came after me, after Christoph, we, um, you know, some, some guys didn't, didn't like us too much, so we, they were hard. They were giving giving us some shit on the track. You yeah, know, like yeah, these these, these fucking French guys coming into the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> no, and they were they were also thinking we were um, taking drugs. Also, we were like, okay, we're gonna make uh, their life harder than what they think. And uh, so they were, yeah, we were uh, fighting a little bit on the track. That's for sure. You have to uh, you have to put your elbow out and make your uh, make your place, you know, and have like few. Uh, yeah, a few good contact with some good riders back in, back then, for sure. Yeah, it seemed like they. Sorry, to cut you off, Jay. Yeah. It seemed like there was a little more like rubbing his racing kind of deal with the the way the tracks were, the dirt turns, maybe maybe a little bit less speed. Like it was, you were able to get away with those kind of moves more without it turning into something crazy. Yeah, it could it could it could turning something crazy sometimes. You know, like <laughs> of course those corners were a little bit slower than now because now it's old corner as asphalt. So you go pretty fast and dirt corner, you need, you know, dirt corner seems, uh, seems easy to, to turn, but it's pretty hard to turn on dirt corner. So you have to go maybe a little bit slower and, uh, and shit happening on the cor on corner, you know, contact and people going straight away. And, and yeah, we, we fight, we fight, we fight quite a bit, you know. How was your, uh, how's your relationship with Christoph? Cause he was a little bit older, right? Yeah. He's two, three years older than me. And, um, we get along really good, you know. Of course, when I arrived over there, it was Christoph was winning pretty much everything. And um, when I start to race, and um, and I start to race good, and and Christoph got, got hurt also, so it, so it was hard for him sometimes to race on hundred percent. But um, 
but actually we uh, we were really good friends out of the track and but on the track we were we were like okay that's like no friends on the track so everything can happen but we we had a lot of respect each other so we uh we get along really good and we respect each other really good too so back then too like bmx was a fairly new sport and you guys were advancing it quite a bit how did you how did you know how to train and like how to schedule that? Because now obviously all of you coaches have gone through it and stuff and there's more science and technology that's come out. But back then, how did you guys figure out what to do for training? We used to, um, Christoph and me, we used to have the same coach back then. And um, you, that coach was already um, a little bit, I would say, advanced on the game. On the game and we, uh, he scheduled our training earlier. Um yeah, all uh, all our train all our training was pretty much scheduled, and all the phases, all the cycle was uh, was really uh, really strict. And we actually um, we actually we were actually maybe uh, ahead of that hmm. back then. Did, is this similar stuff to what what everyone does now, or how was it different? Uh, it's not that much different, you know. Hmm. It's not that much different. You know, you can you can turn training on every side or every angle at the end of the day you're gonna do you're gonna do the same yeah and you're gonna adapt you're gonna adapt to your athletes of course each athlete each athlete are different so you're gonna adapt to your training to different 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 aspects but at the end of the day we are the training is really is still really close to what we've been doing interesting yeah it's always been time we've talked about like how much change, training has really changed or whatnot. Because it really, nowadays, you're right, it seems like a lot of people nowadays, they do fairly similar things, like maybe in a different order here and there, a few more reps here and there, but it's pretty pretty standard. So it's interesting to hear that you guys kind of did the same. and It makes sense why you're able to transfer it to your riders now probably very well. Yes, and of course, and of course, Christoph and me, like like Christoph was, I, I think he's, uh, he was already, already gifting, like he's... he's um, I think his body was already in advance to to a lot of people. Like his genetic was was already really good. So my training was, of course, was a little bit different than him. But but um, at the end of the day, it was really close to uh, the training was really close to uh, to each other. You know. Yeah. So we never train. We never train together, but we were pretty much doing the same thing. Yeah. So obviously, you're having a good career in the U.S. and then. All of a sudden, Supercross comes along, and you guys, like you guys, did Woodward and stuff. Like that must have been nuts, going from regular racing to all of a sudden doing the downhill stuff at Woodward. Yeah, you know, back even back in the day with um, the NBL, like example NBL Christmas, the Christmas Classic, they start to put some uh, some tracks, some gnarly track. You know, they like yeah. you have to jump over yeah. the you have to jump over the berm. The third stretch was like truly steep and technical. We got some like we went through. And I went through all those phases, you know, with normal track, like starting to get some uh, some ASIC track on no, on a normal uh, heel, and jump on the ASIC track after. So uh, I went through to some to some phases, like really interesting, and see how the sport evolves, like improve also. Yeah, I, I, I'd imagine it'd be huge changes. And um, we had uh, we had Robert DeWild on, and we kind of asked him a similar question from Sylvan, which was like, "Do you wish the the old school era lasted longer or the new school era came in earlier because kind of like, what was your preference? Like, did you, obviously it's, it's really tough when you're adapting to those tracks, but once you kind of did get adapted, did you like them more or were you still more of a fan of, 
uh, the racing before that? Um, in, yeah, I'm, actually, I never, like, I'm, like the basic track, I could have, of course, I wish it, it could happen early on. Mm-hmm. But um, the eight meters, I wasn't, I wasn't the big, big, like the biggest fan of the eight meters. Like five or three meters for me is, is way enough. You can, you can have a technical track and, and fast and technical track with the five meters will be the same. Then eight meters, it won't change anything. Instead, instead you could, you can pedal from, uh, from the first, from the gate to the first jump instead of, uh, of pushing your bike on a, at the end of the bottom of the hill and, and starting to pedal again after what, what the purpose of that, you know? Like nothing, mm-hmm. you know. Why, why stop pedaling and to restart pedaling right after you the bottom of the hill? For me, it doesn't mean anything, you know. Like let's sprint from A to Z without uh, without pushing your bike on the bottom of the hill. So for me, five of three meters is way better than eight meters. How was it's nothing? I was just going to change it. I was just going to say, how was it getting adapted to it? Like was it sc- like were you scared at first of the tracks and the hill and everything? No, the first like we we race on some really gnarly track like um, like the San Jose track, the yeah. first one where looks super gnarly. The San Jose I think, track, I think, yeah, with um, it was a jump. The first jump was on the hill, pretty much. You so you were like yeah, two, yeah. three cranks, <laughs> yeah. and it was right away, you know. So that was pretty gnarly, but you you adapt, you know, everything in like you guys, you know, you bring like guys gonna. Sh- with some track and you're going to adapt, you know, so more you're racing on those tracks, you're going to adapt for, for sure even better and better. And after all, you're going to feel like it's normal, you know, so yeah, I adapt, I adapt myself. And, um, but I was, maybe I wasn't feeling as good as, uh, as on three meters or five meters for sure. Maybe. Yeah. Gosh, San Jose Supercross, that was, Looks that's so got to be sick. the most gnarly track yeah. in the history of BMX racing. I, I know the Woodwards were nuts with big jumps, but that Supercross track with the jump off the bottom of the hill and then a berm jump on the first straight so there. Sick. So yeah. nuts. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and on top of that, you need to, you need to also understand everything was on the loose dirt, you know, nothing was compact. No, nothing was like, like nowadays where like the track is perfect from, from from one leaf to the other leaf to the corner with asphalt. No, back in the day it was that just the loose track, you know, loose yeah. dirt. And with Supercross and everything, like I was thinking, I'm kind of disappointed for your kind of era that you didn't have more of the Olympic stuff to do. Obviously, you guys had did a lot of cool events and stuff, but it would have been cool to see your generation be able to race the Olympics and all of your prime and everything. Yeah, of course. You know that was uh, that came a little bit later on. You know, I was able to race the Beijing one, but but I was like the last race of my of my yeah of my career pretty much. So that was that wasn't enough. Wasn't I? I would say I didn't race enough basic track to uh, to enjoy to enjoy at the most. Yeah, it probably felt like it. It was almost a different sport at that point in time. Yeah, almost. You know, when, um, you know, at the end of the, at the end of the day, if you, if you have a three meters or five or eight meters, that's going to be the same, same guy's going to win, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. And that's not, a, that's not a, that's not going to be a big difference. We're not going to see like a big, like somebody, uh, show up and, and, and kill everyone on eight meters and be, uh, and be really bad on the five meters <laughs> yeah. or three, you know? Yeah. So at the end of the, at the end of the day, we're going to have the same, 
pretty much the same eight guys on the final, and they're going to fight for the first place, pretty much. So yeah. eight meters maybe bring, um, I would say, some some rider without that much power brings them closer to us. That's it. Yeah. That's what I kind of feel. Like I too. agree yeah, too. Like you yeah, can, yeah. You can, compa- you can compensate a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Toro says like, yeah, you can yeah, you can get yeah. away with your flies a little more on the the supercross hill, right? If you're, if you're lacking a bit of strength or something, you can yeah, kind of get away with like, compensate a bit on supercross, but you'll be more exposed, I think, on a flat hill. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. So obviously, the Olympics was at your end of your career, which I'm sure was obviously. I'm. I bet you had enjoyed the experience and stuff, but it was probably tough because you knew. Maybe yeah. a bit past your prime uh, and everything, but did you enjoy every the Olympic experience and all that? It wasn't like the uh, experience at the Olympic wasn't that uh, you know when you go over there to uh, my goals was I was I was, I got hurt the year before in Canada I broke my knee and my ankle took like six months to come back and oh, wow. I was like I wasn't even sure to be part of the French team and at that time the French team was also going well so I have to fight to get my spot on the on the team, and um, and at the end of the day, at the end of the year, I start to race really good, start to get my label really, really good, and I raced the, the the world in China where I was feeling really good, and and broke my pedal on the first jump on the semifinal, and and couldn't make the main event. But anyway, coming to the Olympic, uh, I was I was feeling good, like physically, I was like one of the best shape ever, mm. and uh, I show up at the Olympic, the track in Beijing. The previous year, they did the pre-Olympic, and most of the guys raced the year before on that track. And it took me it took me a while to feel comfortable on the track. And and at the end, I, I wasn't feeling as as comfortable uh, as I wish. And um, and I, I ended up really bad. Like wasn't wasn't feeling myself during the game. And uh, and I finally like my experience at the game was on that incredible. You know you. When you um, when you go on the race for one goal and you and you miss out everything, you feel like, all right, that's like, I was that was just a race, like was another race, and I fuck it up, you know, that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah when it's like that. It's like, okay, brush it off, move on. More to more to work for, and more to be yeah. worrying about. Did you always know you were going to retire after that? Yeah, yeah on that. On my head, I knew it was um, it was my last race, pretty much. Yeah. Maybe one of the reasons, though, um, I put myself a little bit. Uh, I was maybe a little bit too cautious. I was a little bit mm. too careful, and I had my two daughters, and I didn't want to make mistakes. Like you, we maybe, that was maybe one of the first time we were going as fast as that on the on the BMX track. Like the the truck in Beijing was was freaking fast. Yeah, it looked like it. Yes, too. it looked really fast. Yeah. yeah, and big and gnarly too. Yeah. So this is kind of this kind of jumping yeah, back. Yeah, so I was a bit careful. Yeah. Yeah, fair. Yeah. This is kind of jumping back now. So it, when I was doing, like I said, my research, you know, learn, learn, looking up these stats, <laughs> um, two thousand was a really good year for you. Um, you won the world title for the second time that year, and you won the European title as well. Is that right? Or is it NBL, NBL title? Yeah, what what kind of what kind of clicked for you that year? Like, I obviously um, you just won the worlds in two years previously, um, but like, how did that year become so successful for you? Was there anything different you did uh, in training, or was it just kind of getting comfortable with everything and finding your groove? Yeah, I think I was just getting comfortable with everything. You know, I was I was uh, like 
99 was really my first full season in U.S. And uh, and uh, I was I was up for the title in NBL. And uh, ABA, I was I was also really really good, but I got I got injured. I broke my uh, collarbone. I dislocated the other shoulder. So I showed up at the NBA grounds with no like not not on the best shape. Mm-hmm. But I was also feeling like a lot of pressure on that race. I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe the and um, and I didn't raise I didn't raise the way I wanted. And uh, I just uh, I think maybe I was putting a lot of pressure on myself. I learned from that, and 2000 was just um, like everything. I think everything started to fall in place, like the training and and the lifestyle and everything. And I was like all year long, I was I was feeling really really good, and um, and I was I was able to apply what I learned in the past, and it was really good for me. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. It's it's obviously that's what you're looking for in that sense. Like you're looking to learn from your mistakes and whatnot. And, clearly seem to do that. Do you, do you find that those, those kind of things you learn from, you're able to pass down to your riders now? Yeah, must, you know, that's also, that's also, um, also hard, you know, when, um, that doesn't mean you were a good racer, you're going to be a good coach. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and you have to learn a lot. You need to go back to school. You need to, uh, you need to learn a lot of different stuff. Like you first, you, the body, even if as an athlete, you know how your body works, but you don't know how that, you don't know how to apply that to the other one, so you learn a lot, and uh, and of course, of course, those experience you learn, you're able to teach them even better because you went through those phases, and you um, you educate yourself to uh, to explain and to and to translate what you learn into um, into something uh, real, and uh, and I think that's uh, to be able to teach that to your guys that. That's just a win-win situation. What was the what was the hardest title to win? How was what? What is the hardest title to win? Was it the ABA one, World one, NBL? What? Which one? I never won the the ABA. I was, oh, ABA, uh, yeah, yeah, NBL. I did like finish second a couple of times, but never won. Um, I think the I think the NBL one was the hardest one mentally. Mentally was the hardest one because you you race all year long and you know even if you even if you've been winning pretty much every race you know that race is gonna count and that race everything can happen if you finish third or if something happens on the semi if you change I don't know if you change takeoff or mm-hmm. if you feel bad on that day you're gonna you're gonna fuck up all the year you've been working for and uh, and I think mentally was the hardest one to win. Yeah, the ninety-one, yeah, the the ninety-eight, the the NBL, yeah. Do you think, uh, like, having the series like that, and then having the like a title like that series is compared, comparatively speaking, to like World Championships, where everything comes down to one day? Which do you prefer? You know, like the World Champ is, of course, is something something special because it's a one day one day race. Everything can happen. So. even if you even even if you feel the best, you know everything can happen, and it's only one day. So the pressure, like for me, the pressure was less racing what the world championships than the title in uh, at the NBL or the ABF. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting. I guess it, at, at the end of the day, it makes sense in the sense that 
the NBA title, you've done so much all year long to get yourself to that point. I mean, you don't want to. You don't want. You don't want to. You don't want to fuck it up. You don't want to fuck it up. You don't want like. You don't want like. Yeah, that's so true. And the world, and the world is special. You know everything. You know everything can happen. And and um, and um, you're okay. You have so many so many writers coming from everywhere, and and it's just uh, the pressure is totally different. And you just um, you race like lap, lap after lap, and uh, and you motivate yourself lap after lap, and you know you if you have a good day, you can be you can become the world champ, and uh, it's totally different than than winning the titles. That's for sure. For me, it was totally different. This is one that everybody loves to hear. You might not be able to answer. Which one? Uh, which one got you a bigger bonus? <laughs> I think both of them were uh, matching. Ah, okay. All right. Fair enough then. Fair enough. <laughs> we need we need Donald or winning the world was the same uh, payday. Same price money. Payday. And which 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 at that time was uh was a big bonus, yeah. What what are we talking big? What <laughs> yeah, Robert, how much, Robert didn't how want much to we, say numbers. How, how much we talking, Thomas? Uh, no, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm not going to say any numbers, but it was uh, it was some good numbers at that yeah, time. Yeah, I bet it was. Okay, it was. fair. Yeah. Um, we got anything else before we move on to the? Yeah, well, well, speaking of your your coaching, then you do, and you talk about just because you're a good rider, you're not a good coach, that kind of thing. Um, I've always been a big fan of you in the sense that I think you, from what I've seen from the outside, you've been able to do a really good job at taking riders that maybe don't have as much skill on the bike and whatnot and actually develop them into these world-class athletes and riders. And sometimes you see coaches where they will take a rider that's already very good and you, you can build an engine um, or just help them with their mental side and that kind of thing. But I think you've done a really good job at bringing people from almost the ground up. Uh, where did you kind of learn these skills or kind of figure out that, figure out how to talk to these riders to help them out and help them create, turn these riders into these athletes? I think first, I think because I, I know where they, they come from, where they're from. You know, when I started BMX, I wasn't I wasn't that good at all. You know, like physically, and I was like I was uh, skinny, and technically, I was not. I wasn't that technical, and I learned. I pushed myself, and and um, I think I went through so many phases on my uh, on my career. Uh, helped me a lot to talk to my writers and be able to to write a skill session to a physical session really specific to them, you know, and uh, and just the, maybe the, just the way we communicate to each other. And I think it's also, you know, as, as you know, like if you trust your coach, you know, um, you know, you're going to be able to, uh, to go a long way with him and you're going to learn a lot. And I think that uh, that also comes from respect. I think all the all the athletes I coached who was, had a lot of respect over, over me. And because also I bring a lot of respect for them. You know, I was, I listened, I listened to them really well. And I spent a lot of time with them. And, um, we tried to build like a really good relationship to, uh, to know really well each other and, and try to help them as much as I can and bring, and give them the best, the best tools I can give to them to succeed. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Being able to talk to them on a personal level too, I think that's huge, and that creates that trust you're talking about. Because you need the trust in in the rider, the coach. They need to have trust between each other. Uh, if you if you don't have that's, every, trust, that's everything. That's, yeah, that's yeah. everything. And I, and I think is is also like I said, is on is on both way. You know, if um, if you actually trust you, 
But if you don't trust your athlete, nothing is going to happen. But on both ways, if I, if I can trust my athlete and if the, if the athlete can trust me, we can go a long, long way, you know. It's like it's an amazing feeling to to grow up, it's, uh, to grow up, uh, um, uh, to grow up uh, together, you know. Yeah. Who's been the uh, the hardest person or the worst person to coach? <laughs> <laughs> That's a nasty question. I would say what, so, somebody's yeah, always annoying. It's, it's no, it's an it's a nasty one, but on the on the other hand, it's also um, you know we like you know I'm, I always say the truth. You know I don't I don't fuck around, and you know the first the first one where I learned a lot was uh, Yoshi Nagadako. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, coming coming from another culture, from Japan, you know, Japan Japanese and European, we are like also told, like the culture is also totally different, and um, and he was the hardest one to coach, I think, mentally. Yeah. Mentally, sure. of course, uh, technically was he was also he was already good, so I give them, I give him a lot of lot of tools also to um, to improve, but technically he was also really good. But the hardest one was like where where I learned the most was with him because uh because he was a hard one mentally he was uh, he wanted so much from him from himself mm-hmm. he put me so much pressure he put me so much pressure on 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 me he can even imagine and um, and I learned and I become I think I become the coach I am now because of him and yeah. uh, and I learned a lot I learned a lot through him for sure yeah I can imagine yeah that's really cool. Is it hard to coach riders? When I that said, when I said when I said uh, when I when I said a hard way, but it was a hard way yeah. for both of them, and we uh, we grew up a lot each other. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, I get that for sure. Um, is it hard to coach riders sometimes when they want it too bad? Um, that's been a common thing. I've I've listened to mo- like motocross stuff too, and like I think I've had it myself, where it's like sometimes a rider wants it too bad that they uh, they go a little too hard and just make dumb mistakes because they're trying so hard. Yes, you know, you, when by, you're going to put too much pressure on yourself and you're going to be, uh, of course, you need to have your lifestyle, you need to have your uh, your training, you need to have everything in order to in order to be able to perform. But on the same time, you also, like, if, as an athlete, we never, we are never happy pretty much with what we're doing. You know, we always want more. Or, or we're not really sure if it's going to work or no, and... And if he's, that training is going to be good for the next few months, and we always asking ourselves those questions, you know, we like, wow, like we, as an athlete, we we never really, um, we are, yeah, we are really, we never really really sure with with what we're doing sometimes, you know, and um, we're putting some so many pressure on ourselves, and I think is um, is another like you have to sometimes be able to lay off and and. And be confident on the on the process. Yeah, that's a big one. Being able to trust the process. Everything comes down to trust. Yeah, Life, everything, just all about trust. <laughs> yeah, just just trust, just trusting the process is a hard one. Yeah. So you have to learn that. Um, all right, T. Do you want? Should we move on to this fun new segment? Yeah. So we got a new segment, Thomas. We're gonna say like the names of things and just. The f- you get an answer in one word. So the first thing that comes to mind, just one word, whatever we say. Or, or a sentence. You have a sentence. Oh, that's quick shots, isn't it? Just one, one, one word. Just one word. One okay. word. All right. One word. Because right. that's what we did last week. That's yeah. true. Okay, go for it. All right. What's what's the firm? GT Bikes, the firm. What's the firm? Best. 
best, yeah. <laughs> Robert DeWild. Afro Bob. Um, <laughs> uh, only, only one, hard to say only one, you know. It's like, tough, yeah, yeah tough, tough. Yeah. Give us, you can give us a few yeah. words. Give us yeah, a yeah. quick little brief. The first thing that comes to your mind when you when you hear these people or person or things or whatever. Uh, next one, BMX yeah. Supercross. Um, overrated. <laughs> I, like <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> Christophe Levesque. The one. You want Ram? Oh, fans are going to love this one. Shepperton last turn. Move. <laughs> <laughs> Great move. You know, you know, James. Like you're lucky. Like back in the day, I, w- I was I was knock you knock you out. You know, you were lo- really you were really lucky. Eddie was really Eddie is a really nice guy. You know, really nice, nice, nice guy. Way too nice. That's seriously nice. should have come out. We could have we could have had some more content if there was a fight. Did uh did that stuff happen more? Like uh like was there like punches at the finish line or anything like that before? Yeah, it's happened a lot. Like yeah. back in the day, we were like, you, you were not fucking around. Of course, it's like, of course, he's part of the race. You know, everything happened on the race, stay on the race. But sometimes when he's, uh, when he's too much like, um, when he's too much like this, you know, when you come inside of the corner straight on the way, straight on the back wheel like this, that's like first, that can, that can end up a career and the uh, and year for somebody, for somebody, even for both of you. And uh, that move was just like ridiculous, you know. I was like, even me, you know, as a coach, as a coach, of course, it is, it is my guy. And I was pretty upset. I was like, man, that, that little fucker, what, it, what he just <laughs> did, you know, like, like seriously, if AD knock you knock you down, I was, I was, I was shaking his head, his hand, because I was like, no, you're like, you can, you can do that, of course. You can pass. You can push him. You can push him to to make him like maybe going going out of the corner, but not going straight on his bike wheel. It was like that. That that was just a little sucker move. His back hip, by the way, just his hip. But hey, I, I never I never said it was a good one. It was it was a move. It was a mistake, but it was a move. Next one. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know you've been. I know you've been joking and playing around with that for for a while. So at the end, he's getting old. You know, that's like. Uh, it's fast, you know, go, go over somebody else and, and make a joke with somebody else after. But now, now it's just getting old with that story. I agree. I agree. I, I, I get it all the time. I, I think it's old too. Move on, people. Um, French BMX. Oh, did we lose it? Are you there, Thomas? Oh, gosh. That's... What, what happened there? What was that noise? No, I don't know. Is he there? Yes. Oh, you're here. Oh, you cut out for a second. Can you hear us? You're breaking up. Can you hear us now? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay, okay good. Yes, okay. Yes. All right, next one. French BMX. French BMX. Uh, wow. French BMX. Let me, uh, let me think. Huh? Two seconds. That's fine. Um, Thomas Allier. Skillful. <laughs> Skillful. Uh, French yeah. BMX, kill food. Yeah, spot on, I'd yeah. say, with that one. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Dale Holmes. Uh, 
Hello. Uh, James said Dale Holmes. Can you, hear me? Can you hear us now? Oh, we lost him. Oh, shoot. We lost him. This hasn't happened in a while. No, I'll, call, I'll yeah. call him back. Terry just got his Wi-Fi all figured yeah, out. We got, bo- we got boosters and everything. We got, we got boosters. <laughs> Hey, we're back. We're back. Yes. Can you Sorry, hear? I'm driving and uh, we're back. Yeah. Yes, I can hear you. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I'm driving. Yeah, no problem. Uh, okay. Yeah, they don't, they don't, they don't, Mr. Consistency. Hmm. Okay, well. 2008 Olympics. 2008 Olympics. Uh, disappointed. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Staff. Jamie Staff. Horse power. Woodward Downhill Supercross. Nolly. Oh, yeah. Uh, BMX tracks today BMX in, track in general. Today. Um, if you're talking about AC tracks, boring. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> uh, riders of today. Riders of today. Amazing uh, speed and skillful. Yeah, cool answer. Yeah. All right, now we have something called the quick shot questions. So uh, these are from fans. Uh, we got a bunch here, actually, for Thomas. We do have a bunch. Yeah. We do have a bunch. Sorry, people, if you got quite the echo, but you know, it's just, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, sorry, guys. That's fine. Yeah, no problem. Uh, from Stephen Stobart, is the table the correct option as a first jump? Uh, that's, not, that's not even a question. We know we know that's not an option. Is uh, and, and on the other way, why not? You know, like you you can bring a table like technical table. Why not? But I don't think it's an option. Yeah. From Escalante BMX, who's the most messy rider he has trained? Who's the messy rider I trained? Like the messiest, like doesn't clean and that kind of stuff. Nah. Uh, I would say back in the day was uh, maybe Carlos Ramirez, but he, he got <laughs> a lot better after, you know. And uh, yeah, he got uh, he got really good after. Uh, from M-I underscore Corey. He says, you had the most efficient pedal strokes on flats he'd ever seen. Did you actually work on that or was it just natural for you? I think because we were just racing flats all the time and uh, SPD, even, even if we were racing SPD, we used to train with flats pretty much all the time. So that's just a um, couple, um, yeah, couple specific exercise with flat pedals, but at the end of the day, we were, you know, ride, riding trails two or three times a, a week. Track on the flats. We we were doing everything on flat, and I was like, I was I was riding a lot of streets on the flat. Also, so just helped me a lot for everything. Um, from Sebas four hundred four, one thing you would change from BMX back in the day, and one thing you'd change from BMX today. Good question. Yeah, that's a good question. Wow, uh, from BMX today to BMX now, therefore, yeah, back in the day and now. Wow, there's a lot. I think I will. Uh, now I will. Um, on back in the day, I will maybe put a little bit more. Uh, I would say 
tracks a little bit faster and and um, and man, back in the day was pretty good, you know. So it's hard <laughs> to uh, a little bit more for me was like maybe a little bit more asphalt corner because those loose corner I was uh, I was really bad on that. Yeah. And uh, and BMX today a little bit more uh, more public watching the race, you know. You go on some racing and nobody watching the race, so make me uh, yeah sad sometimes. Yeah, definitely. Same here. Uh, from and Quillen, it brings the fun a little bit more on the on the race. Yeah. Yeah, I would. From Quillen one six four. In recent years, who's the fastest person you've lit up on flats? Did you hear that one? No, sorry, breaking up. Sorry, guys. That's fine. Uh, who's who's the fastest person you've beat on flats in recent years? Wow, uh, I haven't I haven't beaten anyone fast on flats. <laughs> well, have you looked fast? We've seen videos yeah, here and there. Fast. We've seen them. You look fast. Um, from uh, Hoser Frito Lane, how did becoming a father affect your mindset in terms of BMX? I don't think you cut out. Are you back? We lost him. Lose him again? Uh-oh. Thomas, you there? And these quick shots. <laughs> these quick shots aren't so quick right <laughs> now, are quick they? shots, no. <laughs> That's what happens when there's bad, bad service. We, we've all been in this situation. Yeah, so. yeah. This is kind of one of those things at this point, people. Yeah. It's a great show, though. It's a great show. We're almost done. We got, we're we're, almost, we're almost done. The connection's going to hold up for like five more minutes. We'll get, we'll get like two or three more good ones in here. Yeah. All right, you're back. Can you hear us? Yeah, yeah. Yes, I hear you, yeah. No problem. We got, we got two more questions. Oh, boy. We might not make it two more questions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hang with us, people. Hang on with us. I know we're janky. We're not trying to be. It just is what it is. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just plugging. Good. Just the service. Yeah. That's what happens. You're probably driving through the middle of the country right now. There's probably not a lot of cell service. Like I'm thinking on. maybe one more. <laughs> I'm thinking maybe if we get them on the line and we tell them thanks for <laughs> on the show. I know. We appreciate it. It's too bad. Was... There's some more good ones on here. Come on, baby. Come on, baby. We need this one. We need this one. <laughs> Give us this one. Come on. I don't know if my phone isn't connected properly. I don't think it's your phone. I don't think it's my phone. I think either. if you're driving, you're in a car, you're in somewhere. Really yeah, man, sorry, guys. We're not going to be able That's fine. Oh, no. Couldn't even get it out. I think we need to just wrap I think, it up. I think yeah. we just have to. Oh, are you there? I, th- I, th- I think we just need to end it. <laughs> I think we got to call it. I think we do, too. All right, Thomas Allier, everyone. <laughs> Thomas Allier, everybody. Oh, wrong one. That's just, people don't like. I mean, people don't want the crickets, but that's just one of those things. It is what it is. So thanks for Thomas Allier coming on. That was great to have him on. So thank you, man. Great to have that legend on the show. It was fantastic. He he's got a lot of stories, and I know we, we obviously don't get into all the stories on one single show. That would take it's forever. impossible, but yeah. But like just some of the few ones he shared there was really interesting and. Kind of the way I didn't think they had coaches back then. I'll be honest with you. No, I didn't think they really did at all. And to know that they did, and they're kind of doing similar stuff they are now, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, I guess send a text to Thomas and be yeah. like, "Hey, man, like, thanks, we appreciate it, but like, your service is crap right now. It just is what it is." Yeah. Unfortunately, 
But I, I, I don't think this is the, the last time we're ever going to have him on the show because he's a legend. And uh, yeah. Yeah, PH told me before, like, I guess Kristoff, and I think by the sounds of it, their coach was kind of ahead of the times, and they kind of changed BMX when they came to the U.S. That's interesting. It's cool that they did that. Like, that's that's a huge change. I'm sure they kind of had probably shocked some people in the U.S. when they did that because they, if it's new, I mean, they would have been like, what are you doing with a coach? You guys don't just ride and party all the time? Like, what are you guys doing? So it's pretty cool. Yeah, he's a, can totally tell why he's a champion. He's so focused and, Mm -hmm. you know. The way that he was Great able, mindset. he talked about being able to bounce back from a bad year, learn from it, and make the next year good. I thought that was really cool. Um, classic, you know, the, these these riders that will win a world title like that, they just find their zone on that day, and then they just hammer down, and it all comes together. And that's, that's what a world champ day looks like for you right there. Like, they just find their zone. Yeah, I wish, really wish I... I probably did watch him a bit when I was a kid. I don't mm-hmm. really remember even, but I'm sure... He was at races I, I was at when I was a kid at some nationals and stuff, but... Um, I really wish I could have, like, remember watching him in his prime. Yeah, I, I'm the same. I never got to watch him. Yeah. Never even when he was older. I didn't even realize he was in the 2008 Olympics because yeah. I only ever saw the final from that race until, I mean, now I've gone and watched the semis, but I uh, never got to watch him. And by the sounds of it, he was one of the one of the greatest and smoothest and most fluid to ever ride the bike. So. Pretty much everyone knows the name Thomas Elliott, even if they haven't watched him ride. Like, he's yeah. one of the actual names in BMX where if you say Thomas Elliott, everyone knows he's a legend, even if they've never seen him ride. Mm-hmm. There's so many people nowadays that haven't watched him for sure. Which is pretty cool because there's not that many people like that well-known in the sport. No. It's like if someone tells me, oh, Gary Ellis, it's like, well, I know he's a legend, but I, like, I was way before I was even born. Seriously, I literally just know the name. Yeah. I know nothing I know. about him. I know the name. People saying, oh, Gary Ellis. So, unfortunately, I don't know about him. Yeah, even Christoph Levesque, same thing. I never really watched him. No. I tell you, I was looking things up on Wikipedia yeah. trying to be like, when did he win his world titles? I know he did. Yeah. When did he win them? Did he win an ABA title? I didn't know. NBL title, didn't know he won that. Yeah. yeah. But he's a two-time world champ, NBA title champ. Like, yeah. Yeah, it means more to me now, too, that I got to race, like I said it before, with someone like Bob. One of the OGs. Yeah, like era. it means more to me now yeah. looking back than I really, I didn't really realize at the time. Mm-hmm. But it's cool to have been able to race like him and Bennett and DR and those guys. That is cool. Yeah. It's crazy. So he won a world title at 98, and then 10 years later, he was at the Olympics. That's insane. Pretty long time, right? How old did he say it was in 98? He was around like 20 or something. He would have been 75, 85, 23. He would have been 22 or 23, actually. How old was he in Beijing? So I, I think he was born in 75. I, th- I think I read on Wikipedia. So if Wikipedia is lying to 33? me, I think he was born in 75. He so would have been 33 in 08? Yeah. Jesus. Wow, I didn't realize that. Nick and Graf, if you guys are listening. <laughs> like, you guys got a shot. You guys got another one in you. <laughs> another four years in you. You can hey, do it's it. It's not even four years now. It's going to be another like three. It's fine. You're good. Go next year. Then you got a few more years. Like just, I don't know. Tape an aspirin to it if you're sore somewhere <laughs> and just an just floor it, baby. Oh, you can do it. You guys are fine. You'll be good. Like, yeah. I mean, you're not going to win the ABO title this year because Tori's winning that. But, like, after yeah, that, yeah, you yeah, have but time like, for the Olympics. Oh, show, we're good to go. It's fine. So. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Thomas Elliott. That was really cool. Thanks to uh, ProGate Europe. Winning starts with a great gate. He had some great gates. Um, he had many. Now that people have tuned off quickly, do, do you think he's got some under underneath grudge for me taking out uh, – is I, mean, the move, I mean, <laughs> we talked about the move was really dirty. I know. I think and I totally, I totally get where he's coming from. I know. I just think yeah. it's, I think it's, I'm, I'm going to bring it up whenever I want to bring it up. I was involved and yeah, I'm yeah. over it though. I'm tired of people talking about it. Like you said, it's over. It was a yeah. move. Yeah. 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 Anyways, thanks to everyone listening and, um, hope you guys enjoyed the show. We'll have them on again sometime and, uh, we'll see, we'll see you next time. See you guys next week.
this friggin' podcast all about? I don't get it, man. Coffee chatter? Get off my back, guys. <laughs> you have to be fast in the track. I hate that guy. <laughs>